About a year ago, Cindy and I saw a documentary called The Summer of Soul, which actually had, you can put the next slide up, Christopher, thanks, which actually had as subtitle, or when the revolution could not be televised. This was a documentary that was shot in 1969, the same summer that the Woodstock Rock Festival was held. And it was in the context of the Harlem Cultural Festival, which was a series of events, mainly musical concerts, held annually in Harlem in New York between 1967 and 1969. This festival celebrated African-American music and culture and promoted black pride. The most successful of these concerts was held in 1969 with a whole plethora of um, black uh, soul and spiritual music and jazz music of all kinds. It occurred over a number of weekends. And a documentary was made of that festival. And again, this is the same summer, the summer of Woodstock. Woodstock, as you may know, was also filmed and made into documentary. And within a year or so was available in theaters to actually see. You could pay money to go see it. The film of this festival disappeared in a cabinet somewhere and only came to light about a couple of years ago, maybe 10 years ago. And someone put it together and made it into a documentary. And that's why the subtitle is When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised. This whole uh, festival, and particularly this, this one in 1969, was rooted in a movement which encouraged black people, African Americans, to celebrate their culture and embrace their African heritage. And if you watch the documentary, highly advise it, especially if you like this kind of music at all. Uh, the Age of Aquarius, The Fifth Dimension is on there, and all, all, these, all these great songs. Um, very much focused on African Americans, really, for the first time in their history in America, learning how to respect themselves. We are people. We are who we are. We have a culture. We have a life. And we can put that out there and be proud of it. The Staple Singers, who had a number of hits in the 70s, put out a song called Respect Yourself. It was probably one of their most popular songs. It was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. It was uh, ranked 468 on the Rolling Stone list of 500 greatest songs of all time. Luther Ingram, who wrote the song, said he wrote it because he was frustrated with the state of the world at the time. And he said, black need to learn to respect themselves. I don't know where this particular performance was held. I don't believe it was held at the, at the um, Harlem Festival. But the live performance of the staple singers, Respect Yourself. Yeah. Yeah. If you disrespect everybody that you're running to, 
juxtaposition in that text of how can you respect yourself and how can you respect the other and how do those two come together in in this in this way if you disrespect anybody that you run into how in the world do you think someone's going to respect you and this is a really striking couplet you're the you the kind of gentleman that want everything your way. Take the sheet off your face, boy, Ku Klux Klan. It's a brand new day. You're going out the world backwards like you did when you first came here. All rooted in this in this group of people that had endured slavery for so long and was finally in the 60s starting to say, we're here. We exist. We deserve some respect because God made us and God loves us. We are slaves to no one. But that doesn't mean that we disrespect the other. Staples singers, uh, I think Pop Staples was a pastor for a long time. It's all rooted also in Christianity. 
about, let's see, 1970 to 2016 is 16 plus 30, 36 years later, something like that. I think that's the right math. Melissa Etheridge put, in, put out an album called Memphis Rock and Soul. And um, she's been singing and songwriting for a long time. And on that album is a version of Respect Yourself. Slightly edited, actually quite significantly edited. I'm going to play that one for you. So you're getting two for the price of one today. And you will notice right away that the, uh, the focus on which group is being called to reflect, to respect yourself is quite different than the staple singers in 1969, 1970. Melissa Etheridge, respect yourself. Chicago. 
there again in these lyrics, you see this, this interweaving of the call to respect yourself, but then also to have respect for those around you, the community around you. To my people on the front porch, front page, full of rage, reaching through the bars of your cage, those of you that have been marginalized. Now look inside, because the pride of the tribe is crying for change. You can move any mountain in your way if you believe that you can, but if there's blood on your hands, it's the sign of a desperate plan. We never use violence. Every one of us changes at the speed of trust. Now is the time. Come on, people, stand up and respect yourselves. The staple singers, their song, original song, rooted in this black identity. And Melissa Etheridge, in her time, the song rooted in the cry of the LGBTQ community to not be marginalized anymore. I just want to make a note here. Right now, my purpose is not to make any comments about what the Bible may or may not say on issues of sexuality and gender. That's not my, that's not my issue here. My focus is on this group of people who have, through the history of our culture and church life, been at best ignored and at worst excluded, reviled, or even worse. So the question that I want to put before us today is, how do we treat groups of people who are different, who are other, who are what we might call the stranger? And again, especially relevant for us in our communities, who in general have not experienced that because we don't belong to these minority or marginalized groups. And the call this morning coming from these songs is to listen to these voices and learn to respect in new ways the other as well as ourself and get this, get this movement going, get this weaving going of mutual respect and love and concern where no one is on the outside. And very recently, <clears throat> I got a book called Strangers and Scapegoats, Extending God's Welcome to Those on the Margins. It's written by Matthew. We'll, we'll wait with the quote just a second. Um, thanks. Uh, it's written by Matthew S. Voss, who has a PhD in sociology from the University of Tennessee at Knoxville and is chair of the sociology department of Covenant College in Lookout Mountain, Tennessee. I don't know how many of you heard of it. I've heard of it because my daughter went there and she's the one who sent me this book. The book just came out like two weeks ago. It's a fascinating book. I highly recommend it also because he's just coming from a very conservative Christian. He's rooted in the same kinds of churches, PCA, CRC, that we're all rooted in. And I just, I just think he says a lot of good stuff. So I'm going to kind of take us through a few of his quotes. Sorry, but he just says things probably better than, not probably better than I do. Here's the first one. 
All of the categories by which we measure our worth, race, gender, social class, education, athletic ability, intelligence, attractiveness, and so on, take on meaning, become valuable, and are maintained through social comparison. And for those of you who are going to school again in these weeks, as students, you probably notice this if you stop and think about it. We look at each other and we measure our value based on our race, gender, social class, education, athletic ability, intelligence, attractiveness, and so on. And the point that Voss makes is that we establish our own well-being not so much by looking at ourselves and saying how great we are, but by putting ourselves against the other, we make a social comparison. We, we, we look down on the other because of their race, gender, social class, education, athletic ability, intelligence, and attractiveness. And that gives us our value. And he goes on. Given our tendency toward homophily, and then he means birds of a feather, I'm not sure if I pronounced it right, I've never seen that word before. We easily establish boundaries that deter those unlike us from approaching and feeling welcome. And again, I challenge, especially you young people who are going to school in this week, at the very beginning of this new school year, what's happening in your classrooms, perhaps unspoken, but under the surface to keep certain people out of the real circle or my circle. Such boundaries can be moral. For example, the way we talk about sexual minorities, social class-based, racial, gendered, and so on. All kinds of ways in which we say, that other is this, and I am this, and, and I'm keeping the other out in whatever ways we do that, without even saying a word. And then the next quote, he looks at us, the church, and this is a, this is a stunning quote. Without the presence of strangers, in other words, most of our churches are pretty homogeneous and uniform. We don't have a lot of strangers among us. This morning, we hardly have any strangers. People of faith become an end to themselves, doing little more than eating the cake of, cust the cake of custom baked from a recipe found in the same cookbook the rest of the world uses. So Voss turns the spotlight on us and asks us the question, how are we keeping the stranger out? And therefore, in the words of both of these songs, not respecting him or her or them, and therefore also not respecting ourselves. And so we're living our lives, eating the cake of custom, he says, baked from a recipe found in the same cookbook the rest of the world uses. 
And again, for those of you going back to class this week who claim to be Christians, what cookbook, what recipe are you gonna be using and from which cookbook as you interact with those around you? Boss goes on, the Bible says a great deal about strangers. Sometimes strangers aren't called strangers as such. Instead, they're referred to as aliens, women, lepers, sinners, the poor, collectors, unbelievers, immigrants, eunuchs, those possessed by demons, the blind, prostitutes, the lost, Gentiles, the uncircumcised, or children. And those are just the obvious ones. The Bible's full of strangers. And when Jesus came, he welcomed the strangers. And the people of the church, the theologians and the ministers and the elders and the deacons and the nice people in the pews got mad at him. We, read, we talked about this text from Luke 15 a couple of weeks ago, projected on the screen. The tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. Jesus was bringing these strangers in. They were drawing near to him. There were no barriers. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them, and they were angry with him. One of the things that eventually caused him to kill them. They were eating a cake baked from the recipe, the cookbook of the world. And Jesus was offering another cake, another recipe from another cookbook. And then you all know the story of, of the, the parable of the sheep and the goats. I just quote a little bit from it. When did we see, say these people, say the, say the theologians and the, and, the, and, the, and the church members, where did we, where, when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. The African-American community, to the extent that our society has rejected and marginalized, we've rejected and marginalized Jesus. The LGBTQ community, to the extent that we've rejected and marginalized, We've rejected and marginalized Jesus. Women throughout the years and, and decades and millennia marginalized. We've marginalized Jesus. The disabled and go through the whole list. And then Paul, that, that great apostle who, who fought against this, this new cookbook, he was willing to kill to keep the old cookbook going. And he met Jesus on that road to Damascus and he got a new cookbook. And here's what he writes in Galatians 3. For in Christ Jesus, you are all, for those counting the alls, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. There are no marginalized people anymore. There are no strangers. There are no others in this new cookbook 
and in this new kingdom. And Voss goes further. The next quote, rooting our identity in Jesus requires that we dispense with anchoring our identities in an outgroup. Remember what, how we started? We look at someone else, we say, they're not like us, and that makes us better. We're rooting our identity in the outgroup. Christ's once and for all sacrifice means that the people of God no longer need to define themselves in opposition to strangers. And again, I challenge those of you starting school these weeks to think about that, if you can. How do you cement your identity, define yourself in opposition to the other who doesn't quite measure up for whatever reason? We are freed instead, says Voss, to love strangers, to embrace them, to work for their good, and to include them in our fellowship. We are freed. How are you going to get respect, said, said Pop Staples, if you don't respect the other? If you're not willing to respect the other, then you're not respecting yourself. And that's just, that's just behind, behind, behind you're, you're then in the cage that Melissa sung about. This new cookbook offers a freedom in this new community. That's being created. Then the last quote from Voss. When Jesus draws attention to strangers, honoring them, forgiving them, offering them living water and healing them, he is also bringing their hurt, exclusion, and longing to public expression. And this, I think, is one of the most profound things that Voss says. Other people say it too that we need to learn. We are now living in a society that mocks what's called political correctness. And I will grant that there are some aspects of political correctness that go way overboard and are wacky. But that's true of anything. At the heart of political correctness, is a desire to give those who have been marginalized, who've been excluded, who've been abused, who've been ignored, who've been reviled for decades and for centuries and for millennia, a voice and to bring their hurt, their exclusion, and longing to public expression. And if I can use a different word to refer to somebody, and in that word, I can recognize that that person exists, and I can listen to his or her needs, and feel his or her hurt and longing, and build bridges by the words that I use, why, it, for, the, for, the, for the love of God, would I not do that? And why would I mock 
political correctness. And I realize, again, there are these outliers. These, this crazy, there is that. But at the heart of it is a group of people, a society, in new ways wanting to say, you who have been marginalized and ignored and excluded, we want to bring your hurt, your exclusion, and longing to public expression. And even more than that, Christ is telling the community, telling us, you must embrace these people. If you want to act like the people of God, you must not position yourself against them or scapegoat them. These people must not remain strangers. The word respect comes from the Latin word respectus, which means, you can move on with the slide, Christopher, thank you, which means regard or a looking at. Literally, the act of looking back or often at someone. Deeply rooted in this word respect is this idea of seeing. I see the other. I see you. And when I see you, I make a connection. When I make that connection, I begin to understand what your life was like. And I understand your hurts, your exclusions, and your longings. And I begin to include you. I begin to open up my heart and my life, our hearts and our lives. And we begin to really be able to listen to the cry of the black community in the summer of 1969. And not put those, that, that film on the shelf for 36 years. We can begin to look at the cry of the LGBTQ community and understand the pain and the longing and the hurt of what it's been like to be ignored and excluded. The same for those with disabilities. Same, go down the list. It's amazing how many times in the Gospels the word saw is used with Jesus. Jesus saw, he saw, he looked. Are we going to see each other? As you go to school this week, are you going to actually see the other? And look and say, who is that person? And how can I build a bridge instead of building a wall? And are you going to see yourself? Because again, there's this wonderful, in both of these songs, this wonderful mutuality, this wonderful um, weaving together. Respect for the other and respect for yourself. That all goes together in this freeing process. And that's all rooted, of course, in Jesus.
who came and who saw and who reached out to all these marginalized people with great respect. Rooted in the fact that he knew that he was the son of God. That the father's love was upon him, that he was beloved of God. And that there was nothing that could separate him from that love. And in that power, he was able to reach out to everybody, even if it cost him his life which it did. So in a minute, we're going to be having communion. And I want to encourage you and challenge you to come to this communion. Number one, to catch a glimpse again of how Jesus sees you. As one created by him and loved by him from the beginning of the world. And out of that respect that you get from Jesus, think about what it might look like for you to respect the other in the world to which you are going in this week after Labor Day. Amen.